Beautiful they are. That's it. <clears throat> beautiful. Barry Miracle is beautiful, isn't he? He's got the real mohawk going on. I got the reverse mohawk going on. Together we have a full hairdo. <laughs> Together we can do it. Yes. <clears throat> Just want to also make note, Joe and Bella Garcia from Hamilton, yeah. revivalists in the Hamilton region. I just, I didn't realize, I, th I always thought Joe looks so trendy coming from Hamilton, you know, the blue collar worker. And I said, uh, so how's all this tan and hairdo going on? He says, well, he comes from the Azores of Portugal. I said, oh, you're kidding. So you come from, tr you know, trendy Portugal. And he said he started in like, Somewhere up north, Lake Athabasca or something. <laughs> Winnipeg. Yeah, Winnipeg. <laughs> Winnipeg. But uh, they've been carrying on a great work in Hamilton. We love that. Just glad to have you in the region. Okay, let's have our panel come uh, <clears throat> and uh, take a chair. Not a knee, but a chair. Yeah. And uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to go for about an hour and th 20 minutes. And we've got these esteemed leaders from the body of Christ spanning the spectrum of ages. The Ancient of Days on my far left. Hair white as wool. Feet of bronze. Hair. Hair white as wool. I'm just one of the living creatures. It's come off. <clears throat> and uh, so I'm going to have us introduce ourselves. And... Um, we're gonna we're gonna move. We're gonna try to also move fairly fast. If you if you have a a, a question from a time to time, it's okay. Kind of shout out, and I'll make note of you and come over, and and we'll just keep moving. But when you get this much um, spiritual wisdom and testosterone all in one spot, you know it go. You you, you got to keep it moving. So <clears throat> introduce yourselves, and some of some will not know each person. So. Who are you? Where do you come from? This is Revelation 7. Who are they? Where do they come from? And what kind of what have you been doing for the last 20 years? Okay, so let's start with uh, wisdom. <laughs> Hi, my name is Bill Prankard. Uh, I have hair. Yes. <laughs> Shall we say more? Um, we were um, we were pastoring in the Ottawa Valley in 1972. Wow! Um, and uh, th this is our 50th year of full-time ministry. And uh, 50? So 50. Wow! Yeah. And it's um, two of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one of me. <laughs> so um, in 1972, I went with a group from our area, the Ottawa Valley, down to Pittsburgh to a Catherine Coleman service and. My life was messed up forever, thank God. I had an encounter with Holy Spirit that changed my life, and I made a decision, I'll give the rest of my life pursuing you. And out of that has come some amazing opportunities and things, and our mission fields the Arctic, our passions for Canada. In 1972, God gave me a vision of Canada in revival. 72. And I knew, I knew two things. I knew that's what God wants to do in our nation, and I knew that's what I would give my life for, and we are. 
Amen. How many years have you been married? 53 years. Come on. Come on. Give it up. 53 years. <laughs> but my, my, wife, my wife says it seems like a lot longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Barry. Hi. I'm probably most well known as speaking at Toronto Airport more than any other minister. My name is Bill Prankard. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I just got there and couldn't stop. <laughs> and I work in the north with the Aboriginal peoples in the Inuit. My name is also Bill Pranker. <laughs> I guess I'm him too. How are you related to Bill Pranker? <laughs> He's got hair. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to tease Bill Pranker. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, well, go okay. ahead. <laughs> um... I'm on staff here at Desert Stream. Uh, really, the, the church that is poised in North America to have God's dream come true. Wow. Um, I, I, we've been walking together, Kevin Dowling and I, and for almost two decades. Uh, actually, I think more than that. Oh, there he is back there. Everybody wave at Kev. We just call him the Rev. We just call him the Rev. Kev the Rev. Yeah, Rev Kev. Uh, love you. Um, one of my best friends in the world, but we walk together as apostle and prophet, and we both have strong personalities. No. Yes, I do. Maybe yes, he does. So how do you how do you walk how do you walk out a New Testament governance together? Has been a, a journey, and it's sharpened both of us. And I've been so grateful to be part of this journey. I also so I sit in the office of the prophet here, but I also travel and I itinerant ministry around the world, and I love to hang out in Kelowna. Yeah. Uh, there's really nice people there, really good people. Well, Lots I haven't of found favorite. them yet. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm married to Tammy for 25 years. Is she here? Yeah, she will be here momentarily. Okay. And then I, um, my daughter, Sarah, was leading today, and my other... Spiritual daughter Jess was leading today. Love them. They didn't they do awesome? They do. Yeah. They do. Hallelujah. I've been you've been walking with me for what eight, ten years, something like that. And you've been walking with me for twenty years. <laughs> but I, I'm just like excited. Since the day she was born, she's been with you. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So yeah, amazing how. Yeah. Yeah. I break that in Jesus' name. <laughs> All anyway. right, John Perks. Hello. Who are you? Where do you come from? I come from my mother, and uh, no, uh, my name is John Perks. My wife is here, and uh, you'll see her in, uh, moving in. Maverick! Maverick! No, sorry. <laughs> Maverick, I'm like, that's a horse. Uh, <laughs> Maverick is my wife, and uh, she's in the back doing some administration. But we're actually blessed to have her. She's on a two-month prayer sabbatical, and she's come out of hiding to be here with us. Yay. So when you see she's her, awesome. give her a great big hug. And she loves it when you kiss her, so make sure you kiss her. <laughs> Good, good. And uh, so we're here from Kelowna, British Columbia. I run Eyes and Wings, Be Hero Breakthrough Ministries. I have a local church and a network of churches uh, across uh, North America. And um, happy to be here with you all. We're bringing the faith message back to the church, making it healthy, better, wise, full of wisdom, better looking, and uh, <laughs> taking the ugliness out of it. And of course, our heart, our core is to take care of widows and orphans. 
And that through it all, at the end of our life, we can say, you know, God, we, we have pure religion, undefiled religion, that we've taken care of the widows and the orphans. Funny fact about me is my very first fundraiser I ever did in my, you know, going into full-time ministry was when I was living in the ghetto of Oshawa, and we had raised $50,000 for Camp Ohahase with Ross Miracle. And uh, for, for, I mean, it was amazing. We raised money for the First Nations children. So funny that I'm back here to the same ground in the area where we had labored and strived all those years ago. So it's good to be back here in this region yeah, and to be sowing into this region. Yeah, and well, I believe welcome. that the reason I'm welcome so... Welcome home. I, I feel that the reason I'm so blessed in Canada is because my very first ministry was taking care of the First Nations. And uh, that, that has totally never changed from my heart. So totally believe that. Who are you? Where do you come from? My name is Rick Pino. I'm from Austin, Texas. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I run a movement called the Heart of David Movement. And uh, we are raising up, we're calling them musicianaries. They're musical missionaries who are foolish enough to believe that their worship can transform cities, regions, and nations. We have a, a school of ministry, we have a house of prayer, we have a missions organization. Uh, we are currently sending missionaries and teams and relief efforts to over 30 different nations a year right now. Uh, my wife and I have personally been to over 60 different nations. How old are you? And uh, I'm 32, 32. And uh, we're just, uh, we believe that Malachi 1.11 was written about us. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord will be great among the nations, yeah. and in every place, incense will rise. So we're on a mission to, to literally lead physically every single nation in worship. I want to be like Lauren Cunningham. He preached the gospel in every nation. Wow. Now I'm the next generation. I'm going to lead, the, lead worship in every nation, and I'm well on my way. Wow. And uh, we're raising up a bunch of other people to do it. So that's what we're doing. Wow, and what are you doing in Austin? You talk, it's called, what do you call it? Radio Heart, City? Arts? Uh, live, the City. live worship capital. Okay. So Austin, Texas is the live music capital. If you Google live music capital, it's Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. It's not Nashville. Uh, on any given night, we have 600 to 1,000 bands playing in our city. Wow. And um, we are actually, we're contending, believing that the Lord is going to change the name of our city from the live music capital to the live worship capital and it's happening right now we've we have insane crazy favor in the city so austin is the state capital of texas um we've we've got favor with the the capital and all of the the government there they let us do live worship and evangelism from the steps of the capital we hosted seven days of non-stop worship and evangelism on the university campus last year we're just we're just kicking butt and uh, going so there's for it. Seven, there's a thousand bands playing a yeah, night every night and you guys are just pushing into the hole. We are and we're we're putting in uh, our musicianaries on every street corner and we're doing we you know we're call it presence evangelism to where they're not saying brother if you died tonight would you go to heaven or hell we're actually just saying just sing just minister to the presence of the Lord when the presence comes and the people gather around just start prophesying their life to them <laughs> prophesying. We're seeing this in, in tremendous, tremendous ways. There's a bunch of stories, a bunch of testimonies, but I'll save that for uh, this next hour as we yeah. talk. Good. Thank you. I really like this Who are man. you? Who are I you really and where like do you come man. from? I come from the Okanagan Valley in British Columbia, Canada, 
four hours east drive of Vancouver because no one in the world knows even how to say Kelowna. And so that I, I never ever say I'm from Kelowna. I'm from Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, four hours east of Vancouver. They go, oh, that's where you live. It means grizzly bear. And um, <laughs> so uh, it's a First Nations name. Grizzly bear, Okanagan's a First Nations name. My, uh, my father uh, moved there from Saskatchewan. We had fruit markets. I grew up selling hot buttered corn in the cob. I could sell better than you can ever imagine. I grew up selling. I sold and sold and sold. I got saved at 16, 18 and said I want to give my life to the gospel. In 79, I was in Nigeria, Africa for one year in the bush. No electricity, no running water, no toilet, not even roads, no whites except me. And I was scared of anybody that looked white because they looked so ugly after you haven't seen one for a year. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> Stacy and I pioneered a church in, in Kelowna, saw a mighty move of the spirit, a revival, uh, got involved with John and Carol Arnott and the others, 94, and we've been to 70 nations of the world preaching. We do about 50 to 100 conferences per year, every single year on top of everything else. And we want to see a million children saved from Save from dying, disciple to heaven. That's what we're into. So praise God. Thank you. So um, uh, last, a couple months ago, I heard Chuck Pierce speaking at the uh, Partners and, uh, not Partners, HIM Harvest International. And he was sharing the message of 2017 as a transitional year, a closing of seasons, uh, an entering of new seasons. And really, worldwide, we're in a, a massive transition. I told you from the first message last night, James Kennedy talked about the year 2012 as a watershed of history, a turning point that it's like the world is forever changed. We can't go back. It's not going to be what it was. Uh, 2017 is the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation. Stacy was just in Rome at the Vatican for Pentecost. And one of the services for Pentecost in Rome was held in the Circus Maximus, the largest gladiator stadium from the days of Rome and Nero, where they burned Christians in torches uh, to the stake, where they put uh, lions on the Christians, and they gathered 70,000 there in the Circus Maximus to praise the Lord Jesus Christ after 2,000 years. Give thanks to God for that. They announced that there's 300 million uh, charismatic Catholics worldwide, we're celebrating, what is it, 40 years of the uh, anniversary of the Jesus movement. Two million teenagers came to Christ in four years, 1968 to 1972, in North America. And everyone knows, as Lou Engel proclaimed at Azusa now last year, we're on the verge, the cusp of another Jesus movement. Something's happening, even in the high school. So I want to particularly, um, <clears throat> Bill, if you can mention, uh, just... Talk to us about the transition season that you see us in, and maybe yourself a little bit, Rick, on just some of the uh, you know events that you're seeing, and then we're going to talk what what we believe God's word now word is for us removing that. Well, I think to say this is the most significant time in any of us have ever lived is an understatement. Yeah. And you know, you look at everything. I mean, it's this year is the 50th anniversary that Israel has had the entire city of Jerusalem yeah. as its capital. That's very significant. Um, Canada, 150. Mm. And then coming into this, you know, celebrating the Jewish New Year and coming into yeah. this, there is absolute transition. And 
the word that I keep getting is we know, and you talked about this last night, that um, there is going to be, according to scripture, God says, I will. It shall come to pass afterwards, and I will. Yeah. When God says, I will, nobody can stop it. That's it. It's not a conditional thing. It's not a committee thing. God, God's going to do it. I pour my spirit upon all flesh. But prior, prior to that verse, I will pour out my spirit. Wow. In the same chapter, because it says it shall come to pass afterwards, it says I will restore. I will restore. Wow. My people will not be put to shame anymore. I believe that we're now transitioned into this season of total restoration. Wow. And you talked about... Three nineteen. Come on, three twenty one. You talked acts. about it last night. The restoration of all things that has to happen. So true. That has to happen. The blessing of God coming upon wow. the church and and the people of God having restored what the enemy has stolen, and not just. I mean, when God restores, it's like David at Ziglag. He didn't just take back what the enemy stole. He plundered the camp of the enemy, and he went in one day from being the poorest man in the land to having so much he had to start sending it out of the country to other friends he said we just got too much that's that's beginning to happen with the people of god now there'll be some that don't participate but the ones that are really keen in the spirit of god are going to experience absolute uh, restoration and we're going to move in to this outpouring that will shake the world amen that's good can i just comment on that and in canada canada shock on my head I'm really hot on this. Can you bring me down just a little bit? Um, I, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. I believe, and, and hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. I believe that it's like the 10th gift of the Holy Spirit that is coming upon the planet. It's called the spirit of restoration. Wow. It's going to be like that. It's going to be so. It's going to be so transformative. It's the, the the spirit of restoration is about to hit people's lives and all the couldas, the shouldas, and the wouldas that 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 you should have got because of seed time and harvest that you thought that was overpass. You're about to be restored. Your dreams are coming back. Your your visions are coming back. Your your health is coming back. You're about to be restored to the place, but but beyond. It's beyond. It's. When, when he went down, when he left Ziklag and he went down and they fought all night, the 400 men, 200 stayed at, uh, at, at the river drinking because they couldn't go any further. But when he went down and, and, and took back, he, he took more, he plundered and he took it back and he yelled and wisdom came upon him and he gave it to the elders of Israel. Wow. I'm so glad I'm an elder. I know. I Hallelujah. <laughs> but there is a, there's a spirit of restoration. That is, that is on the planet, that you have to lay hold of that which he has laid hold of this planet right now and, and see your family restored, yeah. see your life restored, see yeah. your finances restored, see your, your reputation restored, see these things that God, God longs to restore and place you but give you much, much more. When he, when he restores, he always makes it better. That's good. Redemption is better than perfection. When he redeems and restores, he's always bringing much more. So when, when, when the enemy has stolen from you, here's spiritual war, warfare. There's three, three economies that you, that you operate in in the kingdom of God. 
There's seed time and harvest. There's reaping where you have not even sown. And then there's the sevenfold that you take back from the enemy, which is a spiritual warfare. Every place that you've been stolen from, the, the, those pits have promises. Right? Every, every time that the enemy is stolen from you, he is going to pay, and it's spiritual warfare. But you've got to exact and not let those, th- those pains and those problems go by without a payday of the grace of God. And allow God to do spiritual warfare on your behalf and send his angels, which are the harvesters, to go back into the enemy's camp. And not only take your stuff, but take seven times more. And his economy decreases, and yours increases. And he only has what he steals, so he, can't, he doesn't have any more. He can't create it. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that. I'll just, I'll get a little excited. Restoration. Restoration of all things. It's good. Like John Perks, uh, this season, what you've been seeing, hearing, that right now, that now, what what do you feel that, what's closing, what's opening? I feel that um, now more than ever, it's it's a season of reformation, that the church is expanding beyond its four walls. And I feel that the power to get gain is coming back to God's people. And, I, and, I, and I, I really believe that in this season, it's the season of the dreamers to arise. Wow. That the people who would dream God's dream, you know, just keep dreaming. Just, and Ephesians 3.20 has never been more real, that God can do far more than yeah. you could think for, ask for, or even imagine. Not by forcing you, but by a spirit gently within you. There's an activation that's happening in your spirit to start dreaming God's dream. And I feel so strongly that this really is the season of entrepreneurs. That, that if there's ever been a time to start a business, it's now. If there's ever been a time to buy rental properties, it's now. And that the spirit of fear is being evicted from your life. That it literally is being evicted from your life. And so I, I feel so strongly uh, to go to push more yeah. into faith, into prosperity. I feel so strongly to push into actually building uh, uh, orphanages, you know, and, and seeing the abolition of the sex trade of children in my lifetime. I feel that's possible, and I have faith for it. So that's, that's what I feel God's doing, but specifically for you, you know, because it's often it's like I'm in a meeting, what's, what's happening for me? I feel it's your season to turn on the taps of God again. It's your season to continue to trust and to push. Like this is your season to push because you're about to give birth to something very, very significant in your life. And if you don't push, you're going to give birth to a stillborn. You know, and, and the word that I had at the beginning of the year was that many Christians have committed abortion in the spirit realm where you've aborted God's dream for your life and you need to push in this season because there is other people that are yet to be reached because of the dreams that God wants you to dream. So. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reminded of, of Stacy's word actually right now that there is still the youngest. And um, for those who aren't familiar with what I'm talking about, Stacy, uh, Wes's wife, Stacy, Wesley. Wesley. <laughs> yeah. Wesley. Just like John. Yes, exactly. Wesley's wife, Stacy, has a word about um, whenever Sam, uh, Samuel went to Jesse's house. And he goes, is this it? And Jesse goes, well, they're, they're still the youngest. And my perspective, obviously everyone has their different pieces. What I'm seeing right now, going along with what the guys are saying about the restoration, I feel like we are coming into that season where that Davidic generation is coming forth. And I think a lot of times people, they connect the Davidic thing strictly with music, but we forget that David was, he was an inventor, he was a warrior, 
He was a politician. He was a businessman. He was a father. He was a minister. He was all of these different things that shook the mountains of society in his generation. And I think right now that we are, as I stand for uh, the younger generation, there is still the youngest coming and there's a double portion generation standing on the shoulders of what these guys have plowed for. And now they've actually, you know, these guys are like the, they're like the old bulls, you know, they just get in there and just, just, just warriors and just plunderers and all this stuff. There, and, and now we get to come in and we get to step into the inheritance, what it took a lifetime for them to get breakthrough in. Now I wake up and Wesley, Wesley's always like, how old are you again? He, I mean, his, he is getting older too, so I think the memory, the memory's gone because I tell him every week how old I am. Literally. And uh, literally every week for like the past month. And, uh, but here's the deal. My, my point is this. What Wesley and Stacy and others have fought for Yes, I just wake up and what they stepped into at 50, I step into at 15, 18. You know what I'm saying? And then the stuff that, that guys like John and I, because you're a young guy still. 27. 27. 27. So we're, you know, I'm 32, he's 27. So then all of a sudden, John, he wakes up, him and Maravik, they all of a sudden they, they wake up and they're young and they're moving in everything that Wesley and Stacy are moving in. But they're taking it to a double portion. So my, to, to add a caboose to all of this stuff, I say that, yes, God is restoring. He's doing this. But now it's coming. I mean, how many parents do we have in there? You guys have kids? It is so, how many new parents? Like your kids are under 10. Wow. Okay. So you guys know what I'm talking about. What's on the children is insane. My kids are crazy musicians. They're crazy prophets. They're crazy smart. My daughter, if the TV doesn't move to her finger, she thinks it's broken. You know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 the spirit of wisdom and revelation that's on the young generation right now is absolutely remarkable. It's unlike anything that has ever hit the planet. And now that we get to stand on shoulders of mothers and fathers, we're going to see the whole entire earth shaken under the power of God. My, my last thought on this real quick. I also think that we are living in the viral generation. What? Viral generation. What I mean by this, I don't know if you guys seen uh, the, the YouTube video of the Chewbacca mom. Have you guys seen that? Of course you have because it went viral. Like in 24 hours, she was a mom sitting in her car having like a breakdown slash, you know, joy party, whatever it was. And she goes kind of crazy and she puts on the Chewbacca mask on and she sits there and just works herself into a laughing fit. Within 24 hours, it has 10 million views now it's gone viral, and then most of you guys in here have seen it. Here's my thought on that. We live in a generation where things are going viral, and to that point, I am seeing, and I know many of these guys up here are seeing, the presence of God is going viral. There is no safe place from the presence of God anymore. And listen, if, if a cold or a flu could get your whole house sick in 24 hours, What's going to happen when the presence of God is saturated all over you and everywhere you go, it's just going to go viral everywhere. That's what's happening. The Davids are rising and it's going viral. Awesome. Fantastic. Okay. I'm going to take it two, two directions, but we'll do one and then the other. The revival understanding in the earth, what it is, what's happening, all that. 
and transformation. Uh, back in 1993 and 4, we wouldn't dare use the word revival. Why? It was, it was such a precious thing. I mean, there were the books by Charles Finney and Wesley Whitfield and all David Brainerd, Jonathan Edwards. And we said, like, we can't call what we've seen in our life that. I mean, I used to read about the stories of people falling and shaking and laughing and the Cane Ridge Revival and the, you know, that says the ladies would come under the fits of shaking and the hairpin would come from their, their hair and their, their hair would crack like a, like a Wagoneer's whip. And I went, what? What is that? I couldn't even imagine that. So when Toronto uh, broke out and began to spread throughout the world, it was, at, it was at least eight months before any of us even used the word revival. Since that time, of course, we, we use it freely and we understand what we're meaning by, you know, significant portions of humanity coming to saving faith in a short period of time and with the resulting transformation, but many times that's not actually in the definition of what's used these days. Then there's transformation. So first revival, uh, we, we all believe that we're on the the greatest time of spiritual harvest, aka, people coming to believe in God, live moral lives with Him as their government, and that their worship, their lives are worshiped to Jesus Christ. So, talk to us, revival. What are you experiencing? What are you seeing? What's the word of the Lord on global, personal, national, regional harvest? Well, I remember a conversation I had um, just a few years ago with Reinhard Bunke. And, you know, he came, he, he came to um, Ottawa and he was doing um, breakfast with Daniel Kalenda. And I said to him, you're going to tell them Canada shall be saved, aren't you? And he said, of course. <laughs> and uh, I, I said, because a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of leaders don't believe that. And, uh, you know, I've been challenged, well, a nation can't be saved. And a lot of Christian leaders in Canada will talk about the fact that Canada can't become a Christian nation again and all of that stuff. And he said the reason they don't believe it is they've never seen it and they've never tasted it. So it's difficult for them to even believe it could happen. But we had the privilege um, when I came back from Catherine Coleman's to being thrust into which was a revival in the Ottawa Valley. Uh, we lived in a little community, and every week more people than lived there came to the meetings. And uh, they moved to the United Church because it was the biggest place in town. And uh, we literally saw thousands of people come to Jesus. And it was just a blur. We had no idea what was going on. It was just, but it was because the miracles were happening. Well, once you've tasted of revival, yes. it spoils you. You can never be satisfied with anything else. And then we had the privilege of riding the charismatic wave. Yes. And they were amazing days. And, you know, ministering with people that um, uh, in those days were the leaders, Adima Shikarian and Davis, David Duplessis and other people like that, and uh, who had come to the full gospel conferences here. And we'd fill the largest hotels in every city and and again, it was just all you had to do in those days, the charismatic revival was put out a sign, going to be a healing meeting, and, and you'd pack out any place. Wow. It was so hungry. It's actually happening in Europe now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's the same. And, and, uh, and so then we went through the 80s, which was really a downtime to be a television evangelist Pentecostal when they were falling and all of that and people lumped everything together. And then came the 90s, as you said. And um, I had no intention of getting involved in Toronto. We just went and thought it was great. But uh, John Arnott said, we need you Pentecostals. We know where we want to go. We don't know how to get there. And I had the privilege of being there for two years, preaching pretty well every night. And apparently do hold a record. I didn't mean it. And, uh, uh, but it's just, uh, and, and again, I saw people coming from all over the world. And then to, to measure the success of Toronto, you really, as you guys have, you travel the world. And you see it impacted nation after nation after, more than Canada. And that was, you know, difficult for John, Carol, and, and others. That, well, what, what about Toronto? What about Canada? Um, but I think there's enough of us that have tasted enough that we can't be satisfied. And you just know. And I know in my lifetime, I'm going to see this nation shaken. And I'm going to see a nation that has been birthed with prophetic word that he shall have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the end. We're going to see it realized in our lifetime. And those that say a nation can't be saved, just watch out. Just wait because it's about to happen to go viral. And Canada's been set up to take healing and revival to the nations because the whole nation, they've all come here. The moment they're touched here, they, I mean, they connect with their countries, their nations, and millions are going to come in the kingdom of God. So it's, um, I just feel like something good is about to happen. Thank you. Um, um, next year will be the 70th uh, anniversary of North Battleford. Not only Israel, but North Battleford. And a time that Canada changed the world. You know, T.D. Jakes, raising the hands, uh, the prophetic, the apostolic, the sons and daughters, and the the kingdom message, praise and worship was all refounded and restored in a little place called North Battleford, uh, Saskatchewan. That's what, and I want, we are in the year 78, of 5778 in, in, in this year, this Jewish year of, uh, and very prophetic in uh, 70 is the Hebrew word ayin, which looks like an eye. We've been in a decade of seeing. If you can see it, you can have it. And we need to see it. And that's why Jesus showed up to Thomas. And I'm not refuting anything, but I'm just saying he wasn't mad at Thomas. He showed up to show Thomas. Because if you can see it, you can have it. And then we're in a, we're in a year of chet, ayin uh, chet, which is eight. The, the, the year of the open door or the open gate or the doorway you have been in this last season in this pruning season joe joe has a revelation on that uh, but i also do and and that we this the pruning season is over and we're about to walk through we've made our calling and election sure and, and an abundant entrance way is about to open up unto the into the kingdom of god and everything you've been believing for i want you to believe even much more for because it's about to take place that that the the very letter of the of the Hebrew letter had eight uh, looks like a, uh, the doorposts of which they applied the blood of the lamb to for Passover. We're stepping into a, re a redemptive period of time, and Canada 
is going to have its healing revival. In, in, and I don't, I, it's happening right now in 1973. Um, Yonggi Cho, I, I think he's going by David now. He, he says that when he traveled around the world, that when he came to Canada, he finally said, Lord said, this is the place that my end time revival will come in and the greatest harvest will start over here. I want to tell you, you as Canadians, you, you live in this nation of a city of refuge. You live in this place that, that is, is, is going to release a healing or revival around the world. And just one, one last thing. When I was praying around the um, um, uh, parliament buildings, and I rented out the Chateau Laurier, not the whole thing, just one room. <laughs> and, I was, and I had it facing the Chateau Laurier so I could be praying over our nation. This was in 2002. And the, and the Lord said to me, he said, he says, this is not, well, just one week before that. I, I won't get into it. But he told me, this is not a tower of peace. This is an arrow of peace. And the apostolic is, is arising. And he told me this in 2002. He said, the apostolic anointing is arising because it's going to pull back on the prophetic bow. And, and the dream and the, and the original ten, intent of God. And, and, and the apostolic anointing is about to release the prophetic arrows of peace that are going to land in nations and bring forth. And, and, and we're not going to be known as peacekeepers any longer. We're going to be known as peacemakers, as the anointing of, of the power in peace and the mass weapon of peace begins to hit into nations and, a, and a, an anointing of healing is released throughout the world. So get ready. You're about to be propelled beyond anything that you could ever ask or think. Excellent. Excellent. John Perks on Revival. You know, I grew up, um, I was saved in stadium Christianity, so I, I really don't know much different than that. Uh, I grew up with Ron Luce and Acquire the Fire and Teen Mania, and every single weekend of the year, they'd fill two stadiums with more than 10,000 teenagers worshiping God. When you, when you grow up worshiping God... How many years did you do that? Uh, well, I went to Acquire the Fire for 10, 15... I don't know, 13 maybe years, 14 years, but I was on staff there for two years at Team Menu with, with Ron Luce. And, and Ron Luce is one of my spiritual fathers who actually taught me. And he was sold out. I mean, just filling stadiums for Jesus, that's what it was all about. But I tell you, when you're worshiping God with 10,000 teenagers, it's a different anointing. It feels completely different. You feel unstoppable because you feel like I'm not alone. And it, and it caused something to, to be triggered off. And, and so to go back to a local church was hard. You know, because the local church didn't get, get along with the church next door and they couldn't do things together. And I mean, we couldn't gather more than 250 people if we tried. Right? I mean, and, and even, so it was frustrating. And then, so that I grew up in that culture and I felt, God, you know, what in the world is going on? And, and, and even, you know, Canada, it was hard to gather people in large groups. To this day, it's hard to gather people in large groups. You know, whether it be the cry or any other national event. Uh, there's something about the church in Canada that's been sleeping, you know, and it's just been like, well, it's going to be okay. Someday it'll get fixed, you know, one day, someday. But on the last federal election, I was in Ottawa and I was at the National House of Prayer. And uh, I went there because I wanted to pray the election through. And, and um, <laughs> how, how many have been to the National House of Prayer? You, you need to go to the National House of Prayer. That's why it's called the National House of Prayer. Right? You need to go there to the, to the nation's capital and pray. But I remember going there at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, they're banging on my door. It's time for the prayer walk. 
And Rick, I didn't want to go. It was cold. You know, it's cold in Ottawa. And I didn't bring my long johns, you know, and I'm, I just had a fall jacket. So I get all bundled up in a scarf and I'm, you know, oh, yeah, I'm so excited, you know. And we go out at 3 o'clock and we're doing our prayer walk around. And the RCMP stop us and said, what are you doing? And I said, I have no clue, you know. And <laughs> so Rob Parker spoke. He says, well, we're praying for the government. He says, at 3 o'clock in the morning? He goes, well, we pray all the time. And the RCMP officer said, well, why would you do that? You know, what do you think you're going to do and, and, and change? So he said, well, can we pray for you? So we prayed for him. And he says, I feel different. Well, that morning I woke up. Uh, at 5.30 for another prayer walk and 7.30. Anyway, so uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to Ottawa. The place was, was quiet. The, the, the day of the election, it was quiet. And there was an eeriness in the atmosphere. And so I, I, I go and I got a, a coffee and a tea. And uh, I'm walking. And I said to this guy, how long have you lived in Ottawa? He says, 47 years. And I said, and he says, and today is the weirdest, most strangest day I've ever lived in Ottawa. The atmosphere changed. So the, anyways, the election happened, and you know what happened. Um, uh, um, Prime Minister Trudeau won, and, and you know, different parts of the country went red. And I went to, I went to the, the, the flame, uh, the centennial flame, and I was so mad. You know, I was so disappointed. I thought, God, I've, I've never mobilized more people. I've never seen more money spent on events to mobilize. I've never seen more people try and pray. And the Lord spoke to me on the nation's capital. He says, John, unrighteous people will always get an unrighteous government. Until society is transformed and revived. You know, hello, are, are, you, are you listening to me? Until we actually take our job seriously about reviving culture and reviving society, this is what we're always going to get because we get what we deserve. But there's a shift that's coming. I'm telling you, I know that I know that I know. I've never had more hope for Canada than what I have. I've traveled across this entire nation. I've gone north. I've gone west. I've gone east. I've gone to St. John, New Brunswick. I mean, we've been through the entire country. I've never had more hope because I feel like Canada is waking up. We are waking up. The church is waking up, and we're like, whoa, what's happened? You know, we've been sleeping 40 years, you know, because if, if I would have told you, because how, how many are older than 30 in the room? Lift your hand. That's the general attendance of our conference, over 30. If I would have told you 30 years ago that we would have homosexual premiers, or we would just be supporting abortion, or we would be one of the only first world countries that would be abortion supporting and spending tax dollars on, you would have laughed me out of the room. You would have said, not on our watch, we're Christians, but something happened, and that something was a spirit of slumber that came over our nation, and you are finally, there's this anger inside of you, like, well, what is going on? Why have we been sleeping so much? And that whole revival is leading to reformation, because you're not satisfied with revival, because you've tasted it. You had Toronto, and you know what it's like, so now the goosebumps and the thrills and the laughing and the rolling isn't enough. So now you know something else has to come that's greater, and that is reformation. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach. Yeah. We're anointed to de declare something. We're anointed to say something. We're anointed to, de to debar, to have that spoken word that he placed on the inside of us to come out. But there are ten other things that we're sent to do. Yeah. And that's what brings forth the transformation. Yeah. 
We're anointed to declare and create a pathway and create an avenue and create something and create and release the presence of God. But then we have to go. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty for the captive, release from the darkness for the blind, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of despair, that they might become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We are anointed to declare something, but we are sent into the mountains of culture and society and bind up and release and heal and, and be there. And, be, and proximity is power. And we need to elevate in society so that with the anointing can trickle down into every aspect of our life. Transformation is coming because we are waking up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to oh, wake up in your dream. Wake up, Canada. Wake up into your dream. Yeah. That's yeah. my book. I know. Okay. It's just, just tongue in cheek. Sorry, it's funnier in my head. We're writing a book, me and Bill, called "Wake Up Your Dream Part 2. <laughs> like I was saying, uh, it's it's time that we do wake up. It's true. It's time, but we have to. We, we don't stop saying. We don't stop praising. We don't stop manifesting the presence of God through the declaration, but we got to start going. Our deliverance is in our mouth, but our deliverance is in our go. Because it's a culture war. Like, like you, what you're in right now is a culture war. And in a culture war, whoever speaks up loudest gets to shape the culture. That's why in Oshawa, you know, the government there banned using the word Christmas tree. When I was growing up, we couldn't use the word Christmas tree in our schools. I went down. I, I, we would spend $250,000 a year at Old Navy on um, clothes for single-parent families by the end of my time at Christmas Dreams Program. I went there one year. We had 16 car, uh, carts full of stuff at Old, Old Navy in the Oshawa Center. And they said to me, oh, happy holidays. I said, what, what are we celebrating? They refused to say Christmas. So the whole thing, so I got the store manager. Long story short, they refused, refused, refused. So I said, well, I'm taking all of my stuff that I'm buying for Christmas and I'm not shopping here. And I stood up and I announced at the store. The store walked out, walked to the place. It was in the Oshawa this week on the, on the front cover. The next day, the general manager says, Merry Christmas from Old Navy. <laughs> Why? Because it's a culture war. It's a culture war. And there are more, it's, it, it, there are more than you than them. There's more of you. It, when when, when yeah. Joseph's... Um, ancestors were getting the, their land, their allotment. Moses first, then Joshua's giving it to them. They say, well, we can't have the hill country because it's full of bad guys, and they got iron, you know, iron-filled chariots, and they're going to... And he says, no, you take the axe, and you cut down the trees, and the hill country and the limit is going to be yours. But they were frightened, and then they were afraid, and they didn't raise their voice because they were frightened because of the slave mentality back in Egypt. Do you understand? But when you break free from that and you start raising your voice and you start making your noise. See, the Bible says in the message, wherever the disciples went, they caused problems. The problem is you aren't causing problems. And normal is no longer enough. You need to start causing a ruckus. You need to start raising your voice because you're in a culture war. And in a culture war, whoever speaks up loudest gets to shape the culture. So start making some noise, especially this Christmas. Cause a ruckus in the shopping malls. Or take your business somewhere else. Ruckus. That's good. That's good. I like it, John. It's important. Revival Brook. transformation. A Donnybrook, maybe. A ruckus, a Donnybrook. Thank you. <coughs> 
uh, I, I wanted to just uh, to just submit a thought as well. I think obviously we love, we honor, and we would not be who we are today without the revivals uh, that have broken out in certain demographics, certain places. Um, but I think we're we are such a mobile, viral, digital generation. Revival is no longer about. It's not just breaking out in a place. Revival's breaking out in people. And one thing that I'm seeing, you know, uh, my web developer called me a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, hey, uh, and, and he's, he's, he's walking with the Lord, but he's not really kind of in the charismatic river-ish, whatever we are, circle. Weird. And, uh, yeah, he's not in the weird circle, and, um, which is fine, and, uh, but he loves Jesus. He calls me up. He goes, hey, hey, um. Hey, I wanted to ask you about this guy. Have you ever heard of this guy? Oh, what's his name? Uh, Todd White. I said, yeah. He goes, you know him. I've seen, I've, he's posted pictures of you and him together and blah, blah, blah. He said, you know him? I said, yeah, yeah, I, I know Todd. He goes, he has dreadlocks. I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, man, that's so cool. He goes, but here's what I want to tell you about. He said, my, my son, who is 14 years old, he went to a Todd White meeting, and he said, I have to tell you, Rick, I, I'm so convicted this morning because last night my son got home from the Todd White meeting, and whenever him and his friends went to, uh, uh, they, they met us at, at, at a restaurant afterward, and my wife and I were there, and him and his friends come in and meet us, and he said, all of a sudden, the whole place just goes bananas because my son is just laying hands on everyone. They're prophesying over people. He said he's 14. He's never done this before. He said he's, he's never done this before, but Todd White told him he could, so now he believes it. And, yeah, yeah, but here, here's my point. God is raising up people like Todd and many others, obviously, because the days of revival, it, like just the one guy or the one gal revivalist, you know, uh, in one place, God is absolutely smashing that box. And it's, again, it's going viral. It's happening in the grocery stores. It's happening in the gas stations. Um, every week, just, just our group there in Austin, we go out to the streets and just love on people. We're seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open. And it's not because Rick is there. It's like it's the kids who literally, you know, some of them were addicted to crack two months ago. And then they get in the presence of God and we go, you can do it. You were born for this. This is the kingdom. They go, really? How do I do it? You just go and do it. And they go out there and just believe. I mean, two months ago, they're addicted. And then one of my strongest leaders, he was addicted to heroin for six years. And he's only 26 years old. And now he's our most powerful guy. He's going out there just getting everyone healed and saved. And literally a couple months ago, he was addicted to heroin. And now he has the most miracles wow. because revival is no longer about a place or a demographic or one guy or one gal. It, this is going viral, guys. Like I just said, there's no safe place from the presence anymore. And I love, I love what John is saying, like, it's one thing to sit in a church in a conference and clap about it. It's another thing to, whenever you actually leave the building, to go love on somebody. Sometimes revival looks like a really big tip at your restaurant. Sometimes revival is a hug or a smile. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and it's, it's happening. It's just breaking out. So what, what are you seeing amongst high schoolers even? 
High schoolers? High schoolers. I mean, like I, like I said in, in the first moment that I was talking, it's like the younger and younger they get, the more anointed, the more wisdom, the more revelation, they, it's on them. Um, we're, we're seeing uh, high schools absolutely be set on fire. Um, one of the guys in our group, he, he started a, a, a college campus ministry, and they, the primary demographic is they're seeing homosexuals come to the saving knowledge of Jesus just by loving on them. It's just happening everywhere, man. It's happening in the church house. It's happening in the White House. It's happening in the prayer house. It's happening in the crack house. It's just breaking out. Jesus Clubs. What's his name? Uh, David or Brian Barcelona? Brian Barcelona. Brian, so uh, you want me to talk about him? So there's a guy in the States, young kid. Uh, he's probably, how old's Brian? Maybe 23 or not even. He's 21, 22, 23, something like that. And uh, they have a ministry, uh, what, what's it called, the Jesus Club or something like that? And they're going into high schools, and they have a vision to, to see every single high school in America just set on fiver. What's that? Have a Jesus Club. And have a Jesus Club, but they want to see the, the high school set on fire. So these guys are crazy. It's all these kids. It's not even like, they're not even my age. I mean, they're younger than us. And they're going in there just absolute. And it's not about celebrity Christianity with them. It's just... Uh, young men, young women who love Jesus going in there and the thing, the fire of God is just going viral. I, I want to just say something that's, that's, that's on my heart that I think is really important. Um, I think for, for a long time, the charismatics have been shy about being charismatic unless they're in a building. And, and the very thing that makes you strong is your charismaticness. <laughs> Like, like, there is power in tongues. There's power in it. There's power in prophecy. What I'm starting to see now more than ever before is when, we're, when I'm on planes and I prophesy to business guys beside me, some of them have written more checks than any Christian I've ever met to our ministry. They're being moved with compassion and under the power because, you know, when, we, when I first came to Be a Hero, it was kind of like, well, we don't want to be too charismatic because we don't want to offend the Baptist and we need their money too to help, you know, to help with the mercy ministry. But I've come to realize there is more power with the charismatic community that if we actually understood the power within us, we could change the culture. We can. Like, you have to embrace who you are. Like, you're a tongue-talking, Bible-believing, charismatic, manifesting Christian, Right? That's what you are. And, and, and when you start to stop defending why you believe what you believe and you just start acting like what you believe and you start shifting the atmosphere, you're going to find that instead of defending and giving great defenses, you're going to start giving great deliverances over regions and principalities and you're going to see different things shift in your life. But you can't be ashamed of who you are. Like, like there's been so much shame for you to demonstrate and walk out in your call and your gifts, but the shame is being broken. And I feel like the Lord has been saying over the church, you have permission to transform society. Like you are called to it. This is your dimension to walk in. And there's no more shame and no more pain. And like no more will I want the microphone because the microphone's being dissolved even as we hold it. Like, like, like the cloud is moving and you've got to go where the cloud is. Or you're going to miss out on it and you're going to become, you know, old people in a building without actually ever shaping it. My grandmother was on her deathbed and she said to me, John, uh, she was the only Christian in my entire family. She said to me, weeping, she said, John, the only thing I've ever done in my Christian life is build buildings. I said, what are you talking about, Nan? 
And she said, well, you know, when I first got saved, our pastor wanted to buy land, so we did a raising money to buy the land. We built the land, then we had to get the building up, and then we did a 10-year program to reduce the debt of the building. And then after 30 years of building the building, having a new building, we had to fix the building that we had. So we spent another 10 years raising money to fix the building just to pay off the debt for the second mortgage that they took. And she said, all my Christian life, I took care of buildings. And it was a revelation because how many know in a, in a culture of reformation, one guy can write the check. Like we have to increase our faith to actually believe that there are people that are in this building. Even right now, many of you are called to be multimillionaires who are called to write the check. Your businesses are called to write the check. But it all comes to a place of you operating in a greater level of faith. You can have a stronger revival or reformation until you learn who you are and whose you are. And you start walking in the authority that you have. It has to change. You know, and I, I say that with love. You know, it has to change because we're in this crazy, stupid cycle. Yeah. It's just a stupid cycle where we just keep building buildings and then renovating them and paying them off and doing it all over again. Something's got to change because something's wrong. And, and I, it's all about breaking slip. Bill. I, I think, John, that, that's so right on that we, we have got to be Holy Ghost people. Yes. I mean, you know, my message tonight really where I'm, I could... I could I'll end my message tonight now. If we're going to do what they did in the book of Acts, which was turn their world upside down, yes. we have to have what they had. Yes. And there's been a spirit of intimidation that's gripped the church that we don't think we have a voice, we don't think we have rights, and we think we have to be politically correct. And, and it's not working. And um, um, a friend of mine who has been with Jesus for years now, and people wouldn't probably know his name, um, was was living proof of this. His name was Harold Bredesen. He was a Lutheran pastor. Him and Pat Robertson received the baptism of the Holy Spirit together. They started a 700 club together, um, and he was worked with Pat for this. But he was he was Mr. Charismatic. He's walking down the streets of New York City. A man who did not know came up to him and said, "You are going to have a ministry to world leaders," and walked away. And Harold was just the kind of guy, he was simple enough. He just said, well, thank you, Lord. Now, Harold, like he prophesied to Ronald Reagan that he was going to be governor before he, when he was an actor. Then he prophesied he's going to be president when people didn't think he was. And when Harold, would, he, we'd have him come to Ottawa to preach. And this is in the charismatic days, you know, and... Uh, um, our phone would start ringing before he arrived from Parliament Hill. Cabinet ministers up to and including Pierre Elliott Trudeau's office wanting to know if they could get an appointment with Reverend Bredesen. He would go in and speak in tongues. He would flow in the gifts of the Spirit. He wouldn't start with Jesus loves you. He'd start with the Holy Ghost in power. And he started flying. Now, you know, the, nobody will know this, but, but the Shah of Iran, he was, he was put out of Iran. And so his friend, a Muslim world leader, his friend Sadat, President Sadat in Egypt, took him in. Harold Bredesen, this Lutheran, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost guy, who didn't have a clue about being politically correct, gets a phone call. President Sadat is begging you to come. We'll send a plane from Egypt for you if you will come and minister to my friend who is dying. Wow. 
Harold went to the bedside. These are two of the world's leading Muslim political leaders at the time. Went to his bedside, prophesied over him, prayed for him. This man gave his life to Jesus. And they said when, when the Shah of Iran died, he had his Bible open, his hands up, worshiping Jesus. I'm convinced. Now, Harold's been gone for a number of years now. But I'm convinced we need, that anointing is still around. We just need people who are just simple enough to believe that God has given us what we need. And he takes simple, and Harold was a scatterbrain. I mean, a scatterbrain. He, he was staying at our house. And um, he had an appointment with some cabinet ministers. And a, fr a friend of his called and said, would you just pack up his stuff? Because we're going to pick him up. He's on his way to Kingston. He's going to preach, uh, he's going to speak at the university in Kingston. And so I, I said to Harold when I saw him, well, what am I going to tell? It was John Monroe was the cabinet minister of, I think, Northern Affairs at the time, and who he'd led to Jesus. He said, I said, what am I going to tell Mr. Monroe? He said, well, tell him I've gone to Kingston. <laughs> Seriously. And, and, and you, you couldn't keep track of the guy. He was a scatterbrain. But every time he came to preach, he'd ask me just as we were going on the platform, what did I preach last time? I'd tell him, and he preached the same thing again. <laughs> But people get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. People get saved. And we need that anointing. I've got the first part down. I've got the scatterbrain part down. I'm just going to worry. And you know, we, but, but you're right. right. We've we got to be Pentecostal. I, 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 in Kelowna, where we've just started a church, I, I, we, every Sunday we call for souls. There's this thing that I grew up with called altar calls. And um, uh, we used to lead people to Jesus in church. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. But, but like every Sunday our altars used to be full. And, and, and somebody said to me, well, we didn't do that because nobody, people stopped coming. I said, that doesn't mean you stop giving the gospel. Yeah, yeah. So every Sunday that I've been home and I've been giving a gospel message, people are getting saved every single week. Every single week. And we can't stop giving the gospel message. If we're not giving the gospel in church, what in the world is going on? <laughs> right? Like, we got to go back to our roots. And, and so I tell people, I'm unashamedly a charismatic. You know, I'm a crazy charismatic. Cuckoo. I'm with Stacy Campbell. You don't. You, it's pretty crazy over there. The first time I had Stacy come to our church, she's shaking violently. And Mervik and I, there's my wife right there. Lift your hand, sweetheart. So everybody sees you. Uh, Mervik says to me, "Do you think she she knows our our past? You know, like do you think she's going to be able to read our mail?" I said, "I'm not sure, but I think so." Plead you know, the blood. Plead the blood. So we so we were like we we were freaked right out, and she came. And, and she prophesied, I made her prophesy over everybody, and she was reading people's mail, and I kept thinking, oh boy, I'm next, I'm next, I'm next. Now, she doesn't remember this, but she prophesied that we were going to work together. She doesn't remember that, but she prophesied that, and those prophetic words are still ingrained in some of those young people that they have still been forever marked by those encounters. You, you are called to bring an encounter to somebody else. You are called to it, and there's no more excuses of why you can't do it. So start speaking in tongues. Start walking around things. Start claiming land. You know, when we, when we need land, we march around things. Right? So just start doing what the Bible says and you'll be fine. Acts 1.7 uh, says, don't, don't regard the times or the seasons, the kairos or the chronos. Forget about the tickety-tock of the clock. You can't do anything about it. Forget about the kairos moments of God. That he, he's got that set in stone. But the Bible says in the next verse, he says, but 
On the contrary is the actual real term. On the contrary. Don't be concerned about what's happening in the world. Don't be concerned about what God's doing. Don't be concerned about this. Don't be concerned about it. Don't sweat it. Don't look at those things. Don't try figuring it out. Don't be sitting around with certain type of sneakers on waiting for somebody to come and get. Don't do that. Don't worry about the times or the season. On the contrary, but you shall receive power. This is what, on the contrary, what we need is a power encounter with God again. And we need to be just like the church in the beginning. We need the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit, not just in church. My God, we need it in church, but we need it out in the marketplace. We need it out there. We need to be full of power. We need to be full of the presence. We need it to be oozing out of, when we step into a region, things need to shift and change because God showed us. Come on, come on. Don't be concerned about what's happening. Yeah. Receive the power of God. Amen. Okay, we got 15 min- minutes left. Uh, uh, just give me one sec. Well, we're just going to tri- hold on. Um, so this weekend, uh, Stacy is in Europe, and uh, she just came from an economic summit in Cape Town where the, it was only 60, 50 uh, participants. It wasn't a conference. It was a summit, and there was uh, ministers of finance and government and economic and billionaire businessmen, some intercessors, prophetic. And the burden that's becoming, that's, that's, that's developing out there, and I think Lance Wall now has been a huge voice to this, is that while we were sleeping, the enemy sowed tares. And so... You know, he's eloquently pointing it out. Get on YouTube, watch Lance Wall now. So, um, you know, over the last 20, 30 years, uh, he developed this in his book called God's Chaos Candidate, which is about Donald Trump. And he said that numbers of the liberal left, uh, morally, uh, positionally, socially, they realized that in America particularly, America was strong with the grassroots, with the church, with the gospel, with values, etc. And they set out to disciple a nation to their views. And Jesus said, disciple the nations, teaching them what I've taught you. And he said this group met together. They called themselves the Thunder Road Group. And numbers of wealthy individuals ponied up like a million dollars each, and they created a massive war chest fund, and they gathered together experts in all the fields, and they started something like 150 to 200 um, social societies, organizations, charities, if you will, Uh, and they named them all the best words, like America's Watch for Civil Liberties, this, this, this. And so that all of them, and they were all disconnected entities, but they had a common value system and they were together. And in the next 20 to 30 years, while we experienced, you know, really some of the great moves of God and the spirit of God, we actually lost the next generation's mindset as 3% of society discipled the whole nation through media, through news, through university, through uh, uh, political agenda, and this entire situation that we've seen 
you know, in Canada we had Stephen Harper for a time, and, and in America that presently he called it God's wrecking ball can, uh, a candidate because it just threw a massive everything into the gears. So the agenda has been derailed for a time, and I'm only saying that not to say uh, politically one or the other, but to say there's been a change or a, 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 a just a restructuring and a re-scrambling. Now the point of all that, and this is for the panel, is that Stacy and others are saying, how is it, Landa Cope, uh, speaker with Youth with a Mission, Landa Cope says, okay, how is it that we can have some of the largest church populations in the world, like Dallas, and the crime rate doesn't change. In fact, it increases. How can society not change as numbers and power of the Spirit increases? Could it be that we're missing pieces of the transformational gospel? So, uh, and last, I want to just comment, then we'll throw this up to the group. In the past, those of us who have been down this road for, you know, many decades realize that in the past, we built denominations, like denominationalism. We built, you know, groups in regions. We built churches, and there was not a concept of the kingdom of God is leavening the whole of society. We were building churches. We were building the buildings. And as a result, most did not work together, especially the big ones didn't work together. So we had individual lighthouses working individually with no common plan and structure to disciple the whole nation. And so that's changing now. And there's a coming together of kingdom versus local marketplace, which means it should happen in the world versus happening in buildings, etc. And so in your experience now, as we've got 15 minutes, comment on the aspect of discipling nations, both Canada, America, and the nations of the world, and how what you're experiencing in that area. Well, I, I feel that um, we have a lot to learn from other nations. That's what I feel as, as, as Canada. I actually, you know, I feel like for us to bring our model of church to other nations would actually giving them a, a, a cup of poison. That's what I believe. So I believe we have a lot to learn from other cultures. Like I go to the Asian cultures. Let me just give you an example. I go to the Philippines. They are way more ahead of us in church culture, by the way. Way more ahead. Their, their churches are in shopping malls. Shopping malls. They're filling shopping malls every single Sunday. Like, like imagine you going to your local shopping mall. There's a big church. Some of them have five or six churches in the same shopping mall. And they're all full. They're full. They're absolutely full. We have, in, in, in the Asian culture, they, they have full-time, the first people that they hire in the churches that I work with are full-time intercessors. That's the, first, that's the first people they hire. I think we have a lot to learn from other nations. And I think we need to be humble enough to say, boy, we believe in discipling, we believe in calling you forth, but, but we have a lot to learn from you, and what can you teach us? You know, because there's something that has to be changed in our culture. And, 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 I, and I, I mean... We have Bill Johnson coming to Kelowna. We called every single church in Kelowna. We could not find a church who would rent to us. That's fact. 100 plus churches, and I've been there for 30 years. 
And, and you, you, find it, if you actually find it from your city. If you have a big event going on and you start calling around the churches, the amount of red tape and political garbage you have to go through, why is that happening? It's because there's an independent spirit, and you want to know why the churches aren't seeing unity. It, something's got to shift, and, and it only will shift when you shift. When you shift and you start telling people, we are not going to be part of this political garbage game anymore, our church doesn't offer membership. You couldn't be a member of you even if you wanted to. Why? Because we are one embassy of many that are in the body of Christ. And if you decide to come to our church or you want to go to somebody else's church, all the power to you. But we believe that the people need to be set free from Egyptian thinking that has kept the people enslaved. And, and I'm, I'm teaching this everywhere I go because I think it's so important that you get broken free from this spirit that's been running in our nation that's been keeping you in bondage. You should write a book on that. I am. In, in 1910, um, Charles Parnham and William Seymour uh, prophesied in 1910 at the same time. Uh, Charles Parnham was on the East Coast and William, William Seymour was on the West Coast. And they prophesied that in 100 years, there's going to come a greater move of the Spirit. And 2010 came and went, and we looked around in North America and said, what, the prophecy didn't come true. But you need to look a little deeper into the world and see China, and you need to see in, in the different places of the world. And I want to tell you, it's coming full circle, though, ladies and gentlemen. It's coming for full circle, and we will see our healing revival. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we have, as you said, if you look at what's happening right now, there is an outpouring of the Spirit of God, and we are in revival. And I think, you know, for us to continually say it's coming, it's coming, it, it, it keeps us from expecting now. Because we say, well, when, when it comes, I'm going to be healed. When it comes, my family's going to be saved. When it comes, my community's going to be saved. And uh, I really feel, I mean, you know, people say, well, if it's, when it's God's time, you know, he'll touch our community, he'll touch our church, he'll touch our family. It's always been God's time. God, God doesn't even understand time. It's, it's, he's always his will to save, always his will to heal. And it's always his will for Canada to be a Christian nation. So uh, we just have to decide, okay, it's time. And to declare revival is here. And therefore, we expect it now. We expect people to be healed now, saved now. We expect our community to be changed. Because as you said, it. I mean, here we have in this province, we have the premier of our province is, is a very outspoken lesbian who has totally changed the sex education system. The mayor of our national capital, Ottawa, is, is gay. Um, and, and you just go on and on and on. But enough is enough. And there's a people rising up that are saying, okay, it's time to take back. But not someday. Not someday. Now, we're running out of time. Not Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And now. Now's the time because revival is here. Wesley said, I want you to speak into the world. Wow. That's it? Well, yeah, is that all, Wesley? Uh, the nations are shaking. I think um, my, my perspective on, on the broader deal, again, is, um, is Haggai. Um, I believe that, you know, in Haggai 1, the Lord says, it's time to build my house. Yeah. And the people said, no, it's not time to build the house of the Lord. And he said, 
how can you sit there in the comfort of your home when my house lies, lies in ruins? And I think right now the church is getting a heart and a mind to build kingdom, to build the global house of God. And the good news is Malachi, or I'm sorry, Haggai chapter 2, so chapter 1, he says, it's time to build my house. You say it's not time. I say it is time. And then Haggai 2 says, but look, for those who say yes, all the gold is mine, all the silver is mine. So whatever you can dream of, whatever you have vision for, the, the, the provision is already there from the Father to see his kingdom established in the earth. Amen. Okay, we're going to do a couple questions. Okay, this was awesome. Go ahead. Uh, you just put your hand. I'll run over to you. You had a question, Minda Gore, a statement or comment. I'm asking Rick. And Rick, can you tell me, I, mean, I had a vision years ago about people my age and older who were running the race, like plowing, sowing, and, and we thought we were keeping a pretty good pace. And then all of a sudden it was like, whoosh, and the youth took our batons. And they ran, and they were, like, running on air and, and dancing and just running full force. And, and I really have had this thought for a long time, and I, this has to do with how you're connecting with them through worship. And how do you see that is, is going through barriers that the, the box church had up for them, and they seemed to be blasting through through music. It was bringing them and transforming. Yeah. What do you see? My, my perspective on that is, uh, and I've been, I've been sharing this into the worship movement, and it's, it's, it's going very, very wide in the worship movement right now. Uh, in fact, uh, I wrote an article on this. It's had over a million reads already on Facebook. Um, and, and so, I, I, well, well, here's the deal. I, I, I'm going to speak on it just from the worship context, but then you can take this, and you can take it into any other concept. So the concept is... Uh, and this is what I called to the worship movement for. We need, we need to change from not just leading in worship, but fathering or mothering in worship. And, uh, you know, Paul said we have 10,000 teachers, not many fathers. In my context, to my kind of my jurisdiction, I said, guys, we have 10,000 worship leaders, not many worship mothers or worship fathers. So let's, let's broaden that. Let's scale that now to the body of Christ. Why is there an orphan spirit in the church? Why is Cain still jealous of Abel's offering? Like we, we go on social media and we're like, why does she always look like that? Or, oh, she thinks she's something. So, or he always, blah, blah. And, but to your face, like, oh, brother, they're so amazing. Praise God. I'm so happy for it. There's jealousy. There's comparison. Yeah. Jacob is still trying to dress up like Esau. What I mean by that is we try to look like everybody else, sound like everybody else, do it like everybody else so that... We can hopefully get there a little bit of their favor for us because there's an orphan mindset that doesn't believe that there's enough favor at the table of God for everybody. Yeah. And so my my perspective uh, uh, to, to pander to your question, my thought is don't be intimidated by them. Don't just be a pastor, be a father or a mother. Uh, don't just be a businesswoman or a businessman, be a business mother, a business father. I think if if I think if people continue to try to build their own monuments and build their own kingdoms, your influence is actually going to go down over time. But if you were to begin to father and mother in whatever it is that your thing is, like I'm a worship guy, so I even now at 30, I'm beginning to turn the corner, 32, and I'm beginning to 
to father in worship. And I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm utilizing social media like crazy right now. And it's just exploding. People are going bananas over it. But what I, what I mean by fathering or mothering is whatever you have been given, big or small, because it doesn't matter. Some have been given five, some have been given one. But whatever talent you've been given, you need to multiply it by freely you have received, now freely give. And I think if you were to, not just you, but if, if we were to turn the corner and not just be your X, Y, Z, whatever thing you are, but if we were to begin to be mothers or fathers in that thing, not only would your influence not go down, but you would be more influential in the latter part of your life than you would have been in the beginning part of your life. So I would say as the youth rise, look, they, you can't have... You can't have 40 years of, of the prophets and apostles going, God's bringing the dread champions. God's bringing the, bringing the dread champions and not expect the dread champions to come. I'm a dread champion to the enemy. When I lift my voice in worship, every demon in a 50-mile radius gets terrified. I know that. And I'm not saying that as a cocky thing. Again, like I mentioned, I'm standing on your shoulders. I'm standing on these guys' shoulders. So don't be intimidated by the dread champions. What they need is they need somebody to love on them, to, to, to encourage them and say, because the heart of a big brother or a big sister, if somebody passes you up and you have a big brother, big sister heart, you get jealous. Why are they passing me up? But the heart of a father or a mother goes, go for it, faster. Go for it, wider, bigger, crazier. Do it quicker than I did. You know what I'm saying? So my, my, my thought to you is... Yes, the dread champions are coming. They're going to come wild crazy. It's going viral. And instead of going, oh, my gosh, where's my place? All you have to do is love on them and give away what God has given you. You might think it's a small little bit. It doesn't matter. When it comes, when it's sown with the heart of a mother or sown from the heart of a father, it will be mighty. Awesome. Okay. And, I, and I think it's a tri-generational okay. thing, too. I think it's a tri-generational thing. I think as the, as the dread champions are going forth, they're creating a place as well. And there's going to be a drag and there's going to be a pull. And there's going to be, it's, it's, we're going to run all together. 60 seconds. Closing. Closing thoughts. 60 seconds. Well, just. Quite, oh. Susie has to have a question. God bless you, brother. My is no question. It's just a confirmation what is in my heart. I am from Nicaragua. I've been here in Canada for 30 years, expecting happens events like this one. We are sitting at that table with this great man with the experience, because words can go by. But when you have experience very close, we need to be chair with the bottom to more the higher. When the culture, when the brother John was talking about culture, this is the division in the body of Christ. Because God created, the whole creation was with one purpose, to worship him. And secondly, serving him. That's true? But we lost that vision. We lost that command. At one point, ourselves. We don't blame, we don't looking for the blame. We're looking for some revival, which is not expected. It's already in our heart.
But when that rebellion manifestation in community will be when someone stand up for this nation, for these people, or for heaven, as we represent heaven, right? We are belong to heaven, not to the earth. And we need to be clear in our mind. When you are belong to heaven, you have to seek in heaven, not the earth. Because heaven has to bring down from you, for me, and from anybody. So the culture needs to break through our traditions. It's been raising up in the church, especially sometimes in leaders. So we need to be clear. We need to find the way God original plans to love one another, to care one another. Your problem is my problem. Amen? Yes. I'm not preaching. i asking you. I just share what God put in my heart when he was talking. I'm sorry if I'm taking your time. I'm very sorry. We love you. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Pastor Barry. I'm sorry. I called Barry because I know him for a little while ago. Yeah. But one thing I know, we need to raise up. Not the money. The money can buy a good stuff. But the love can conquer anything. When you love, you support one another. When we love each other, we take care of each other. And plus, tolerance is the need, most needed in our body of Christ. So my share with you too is we are in the right track. All of you here is because God put you together. When the body of Christ, body of Christ come together, great things going to happen. Because you carry the glory of God, I carry the glory of God. Amen? And when you carry that glory, wherever you go, that atmosphere, that area has to be clear. It has to be changed. But sometimes we don't see anything because we don't believe it. And Jesus said to the disciple, you need to believe first. Not to expect to see. But when, when we see something, sometimes we go down. Because it's that things not happen in our way or in our time. But one thing I'm not sure. In conclusion, in conclusion, as a Canadian now, because I am Canadian, one thing we need to stand up all together and fight this battle. Because this is a, 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 a war, and it's already been winning by Jesus. And you and me are responsible for the future, the, the body of Christ. Amen. Now, if that's not preaching, sounds preaching. pretty good to me. All right. Really? An evangelist in Nicaragua for what? Wow. God bless her. God bless her. Okay. Closing remarks. And then we're going to just. 60 seconds. I think this has been great. Bill's Pentecostal. Does he get 120? No. No. 60. Yeah. One for every year. Come on. Are you going to take our time? Still 60. Hey, excuse me. It's my time. Excuse me. I, I guess it's good. It's encouraging. I, I, but the f reality is we need each other. Yeah. We need each other. And um, 
from our generation, um, you know, we, we talk about honor sometimes. And what we mean is, well, you need to honor us. But I think our generation needs to learn how to honor the young generation. And we need, something happens when the two generations, younger and older, Come walk on. together. And uh, uh, I've got a number of spiritual sons and, and daughters that I'm championing. Uh, and I'm one his of the favorite. Main, yeah, well, one of the main ones is Stephen here who's doing the Arctic. And I'm seeing a vision God gave me years ago through his life. Steve. And I'm just, just so proud of him. But let me tell you, our generation, we're not... We're not going anywhere. We can be part of this generation. It's a chosen generation. Joshua and Caleb said, we're not going to die out in the wilderness with unbelief with our generation. We're going in. When you go in, we're going in. And um, so it's not over yet. And, uh, you know, we, we, we encourage him. We pass the baton. But Reinhard Bunke said when he said, uh, he said, I'm not going to stop. He said, when I... Um, the closer I get to the end, I'll be like a 747 on the runway. The closer I get to the end, the louder I will get, the faster I will go. And when I go, I'll have a microphone in my hand. And so I believe we need each other. We need to walk together. We need to honor each other. And together, we are revival. Amen. I just want to declare over you today that you, excuse me, you've stolen my land. Now you're taking my time. <laughs> And then, <laughs> when I was three... But Bill and I are white, and we're giving you our time. There you go. So, <laughs> I forgive them, Lord. Again. Again. <laughs> no, and I, we, I, re we repent again. <laughs> okay. 60 seconds. Here we go. I declare over you <laughs> that you are answers from the heart of the Father. You're not problems to be solved. If Jesus indeed was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth, that means he was your solution and your savior before he was your creator. Meaning he had your back before you had a back to be had. That you came here as an answer from the heart of the father into this realm and you need to never forget that you're not the problem to be solved. You're the answer that is being delivered and being delivered into the chaos to bring forth order so that the glory of God can be established in the world. Amen. 35 minutes. Uh, I just want to say it's good to be with you. I believe that God spoke some clear truths to you this afternoon. You know, Stacy and Wesley have been so, so gracious and good to Mayor Vic and I that they've uh, demonstrated what it's like for two generations to walk together. And uh, we are surrounded by a board of older people. I'll use the word older people. But they are full of wisdom and stature. And when you learn that you are mothers and fathers to the next generation and you tap into that role, I'm telling you, nothing will stop you from coming into your destiny. We need you and you need us. And together, Canada shall be saved. So the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to continue to shine, shine on you. Be gracious to you. Turn his eyes toward you and give you peace. Shalom. The power to destroy the chaos. Amen and amen. See you at 7 o'clock. Get on the phones. We have Bill Prankert sharing with us tonight. It's going to be an incredible night. Get on the phones and also tomorrow night, Heidi Baker. God bless you. Check out the book tables. Uh, we have all of Rick Pino's incredible material. Heidi Baker's, we've got Praying the Bible CDs that are on USB, we've got books, 
Excellent.